Thanks for having me. Now, get us both in trouble at the outset here. People yell at us when we start talking about crowd size, uh, the crowd truthers who have a better handle on attendance than maybe we do. And I, I'm guilty. I can't. You get more than four or five people in a room, I, I, I can't keep up with how many are there. I, how many folks were at that rally up there Saturday in Commerce? I'm understanding a, a good crowd, but not as many as we're used to seeing at Trump rallies. Yeah, of course there's thousands of people there. There are thousands of people whenever there's a Trump rally, but it was far far smaller crowd than I'm used to seeing at Trump rallies. I've been to dozens of them around the nation. This is the smallest I've seen in Georgia um, since his 2016 election. Uh, far smaller than even his rally in Perry, Georgia, where you know there's at least 20,000 or so people, according to estimates. Um, it's hard to put for me to put a number. We haven't seen an official estimate, but I can say it was far smaller than that mm. Perry rally. And in and terms of it, and this is even more subjective than guessing at a crowd size, but but in terms of enthusiasm, I'm hearing that that was somewhat lacking uh, from what we saw in 2016 and 2020. Yeah, that's what I was about to add, was the enthusiasm was very different than I've seen. Um, the only time the crowd really started getting riled up um, really getting motivated and animated was when there was talk about um, you know election fraud. When when we heard you know part of the clips we just heard, when Donald Trump and others brought up issues like uh, Buckhead Cityhood, you could hear a pin drop in the crowd. There was hardly a, a stir. Uh, but when there was talk about election fraud, um, the crowd got very animated and energized. What that tells me, and we'll see what it tells you, what that says to me is that there is that core of folks, and those are the folks who showed up, and those are the folks who believe what they believe about how 2020 went down, election fraud, and all the rest of it. That that group doesn't seem to be growing in number. In fact, if anything, it, it's getting smaller. Uh, can we extrapolate? I guess we'll get answers here in a few weeks, but can we extrapolate from that that maybe the Trump influence is waning in Georgia and elsewhere? I think Georgia is the biggest test of Trump's influence in the entire nation, but I also think we won't know that until May 24th, right? We won't we won't know whether or not he he still has this enduring grip on the Georgia GOP until after the May primaries, because this is such a test not only because of um, David Perdue challenging Governor Kemp and with with Trump's endorsement, but also because now all the down ticket candidates he's endorsed, including Patrick Witt for insurance commissioner, John Gordon for attorney general. These are candidates who, who hardly anyone in Atlanta, <laughs> Metro Atlanta, have ever heard of. Mm-hmm. I know that Patrick Witt was running for Congress out in the 10th District, so people in Athens are a little bit more aware of him. But he's an unknown in Metro Atlanta, and now he has Trump's endorsement for a down-ticket race that very few people are paying attention to. Greg Bluestein, <clears throat> pardon me. Greg Bluestein, again, the book is Flipped, uh, talks about the 2020 election cycle in Georgia and the aftermath. They'll be talking about that book later today, UGA, 4 o'clock this afternoon, Richard Russell's Special Collections Library at, uh, at, at the University of Georgia Hall Street in Athens, South Hall Street in Athens. Uh, a couple of years removed from the events of 2020, the, the, of course, the January runoff that, that turned the Senate seats blue as well. Uh, we're, do we look at 2022 and, again, the primaries in May and the general election in November. Uh, do we think Georgia now, and I had a full confession, I haven't read the book, you may get to this in the book, do we do we look at Georgia now as a purple state? Is Georgia a swing state in the way that, for example, Florida has been, Virginia has been, North Carolina in recent years? Is Georgia now in that swing category? Yeah, I think Georgia is the premier battleground state in the entire nation, um, and not just this cycle, but I think heading forward throughout the rest of the decade. Um, that doesn't mean that Georgia couldn't swing back, you know, that doesn't mean that Georgia couldn't flip red and still be that, right? Uh, we could be in for a long period of seesaw races where it's very close, like, like Florida, 
um, which has remained red, even though um, you're talking about elections that are decided by one or two points. Um, or we could co- continue going back and forth, blue, red, blue, red, or, or, you know, or Democrats can take advantage of this Trump-fueled uh, divide and continue to build um, their gains in Georgia in 2022. Um, we know that Democrats are fighting some headwinds, right? Inflation, rising fuel prices, President Biden's unpopularity, his, his lower favorability ratings. But they've also got the fact that they don't have a divisive primary that they can focus on. They have a freer hand to to, to sort of uh, focus on the middle more than uh, more than their counterparts can. Yeah, I was thinking about that, uh, David. And this we we've been talking about this uh, from the moment that David Perdue announced with Trump's endorsement that Stacey Abrams gets the benefit of just sitting around mainly. I mean, she can go out and raise a bunch of money, which she has been doing, and and pop up from time to time and weigh in on whatever the question of the day happens to be. But mainly, her job is to just sit back and watch Perdue and Kemp go at each other. Now, is that mitigated to some extent by? the fact that Purdue's having a hard time getting traction? Yeah. Um, I mean, in, in a sense, that one of the best things Stacey Abrams has going for her is this Republican fuel and fighting. Um, but, you know, you're right. David Purdue is not getting that much traction right now. He's, he's behind double digits in some recent polls. He's fundraising his, his lag. At the same time, no one is counting David Purdue out who, who's paying attention to this because um, we, we just don't know what the effect of this Trump rally would be. We'll know a lot more in the next week. Uh, about a million dollars has pumped into David Perdue's campaign from outside groups promoting his ties to Donald Trump. Um, his campaign used sound bites from this rally as a new advertisement. So David Perdue's pressing ahead um, with, uh, with the Trump endorsement. And uh, we'll see if this starts baking into the electorate, if, if this moves the numbers at all. If it doesn't, you know, we might see some, some, some groups try to distance themselves from, from David Perdue. Um, but if he, you know, picks up four or five points, hmm. he's within striking distance of Brian Kemp. And again, that plays into Stacey Abrams' hands. Um, she, she'd love a runoff between yeah, those two kids. He seems to be, Greg Bluestein, seems to be throwing up Hail Marys now. I mean, he's full-throated now with stolen election. He used that phrase repeatedly the other night in commerce. Uh, he has in recent weeks come out against the Rivian Project and seven or $8,000, uh, 7,000 jobs for this part of the state. He, he has criticized the, the gas tax suspension. He has criticized the tax relief checks that are coming to us. I've been asking uh, if he's not in the wrong primary, this David Perdue guy. This isn't the David Perdue I remember from his years in the Senate. No, and one other thing he did recently was he said that he was also the victim of a rigged election, which of course is is not true. Um, It's the first time he's really kind of said that he also quote-unquote won um, the the, uh, 2020 election against John Ossoff, which of course he conceded and did not win. Um, So he's throwing out a lot of Hail Marys. That's a a perfect way to put it. Um, Yeah. Maybe the thing that was most shocking about that rally was not something in his speech, but as he was speaking, a lock him up chant erupted behind (laughs) David Perdue. And instead of, you know, instead of uh, you know sidestepping it or criticizing it or just saying nothing, um, he egged it on. He encouraged. He he smiled and clapped and gave them a thumbs up. And you know, this is against the rival Brian Kemp, who David Perdue has pledged to support. And now he's openly uh, encouraging. 
uh, his imprisonment, essentially. Something, and this may be just me, I, I don't know what your sense of this is, but, but it, it seems kind of weird to think of it this way, but, but I'm struck by at least the notion that, that Brian Kemp, let's, let's just trust the polls for a moment and say that Brian Kemp is at the moment okay. Uh, Brad Raffensperger seems to be the one who's in the political fight of his life here. Uh, they're both on the same place, same stage as incumbents, uh, Kemp and Raffensperger, and, and many of the same views. It looks as though uh, Raffensperger is the one in the deeper water here. Yeah, you know, I'm also um, somewhat surprised by Brad Raffensperger still being in the race, frankly. You know, there was a time uh, a year ago, maybe, where I didn't think he'd even qualify. Um, but the fact that he's still in this contest uh, and still has a chance at winning uh, is surprising many at the Capitol, at least, um, who thought he'd be kind of, a, you know, a, a DOA politically. Uh, and that's partly because Congressman Heiss um, hasn't raised a lot of money. Um, he hasn't raised an amazing amount of money to get his message out. There are still many Republicans, at least according to internal polls, um, who who are not aware of Jody Heiss's endorsement from, from Donald Trump. He's going to do everything he can um, to make them aware of that. And again, we'll see if that matters. But you're right. Um, we, we've seen Brad Raffensperger treated as a pariah by Republican leaders. Um, both Senators Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue back then called for him to resign. Um, there, he has very few endorsements from, from leading Republican officials, and, and, and Brian Kemp is kind of letting him do his own thing, steering clear of him at all costs. Uh, quickly, how's the book going? It's going great. We, we launched uh, a week ago, which is amazing to think of because it's been <laughs> a very long week, but lots of media interviews, New York Times write-ups, write-ups in Politico, Daily Beast, Axios, the AJC um, and elsewhere, and uh, it's been a blast. Yeah, which either speaks um, to the brilliance of Greg Bluestein or the fact that Georgia is uh, so much uh, in play these days. Perhaps it speaks to both of those things. Uh, Greg Bluestein, AJC political insider and author of the book Flip, will be talking about that book this afternoon, 4 o'clock this afternoon, University of Georgia, Richard B. Russell's Special Collections Library, South Hall Street in Athens. Best of luck with that book moving forward, Greg Bluestein, and thanks for your time this morning. Thank you.